Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, episode 17, for Thursday, November the 2nd, 2017. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company based in Nashville, Tennessee, called Score Publishing. This Week in Voice is brought to you by Voice XP, blazing the trail in voice technology. Voice XP is taking the lead in developing Alexa skills for some of the best brands in the world. With Voice XP, all you have to do is say it to revolutionize your marketing strategy. Voice XP, I can't speak highly enough of them. They're good friends of ours. If you're listening to the podcast or any Voice First FM show, you owe it to yourself. Go check them out. They're doing great work. www.voicexp.com. We are thrilled to have a great panel today. Hailing from overseas, we've got Johan Emig and Leon Muller as well. Both of you guys with Onzai. Um, introduce yourselves. Cool. I'm, I'm Leon. Um, we're both based in Berlin. And Onzai is Japanese for voice. Uh, we've started a year ago. Uh, Jochen and I met actually on an IBM hackathon, which we won together with our first um, Alexa skill, which we've built for the Berlin transport system or transport company, um, BVG. Yeah, and from then on, we, we grew and uh, got more clients on board and, and developing the platform. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having us. So my name is Jochen, as Leon already mentioned, uh, we co-founded Onsite together, which really grew more from a hobby. So we've both been voice enthusiasts for a while. We've been building skills before the Alexa even came to Europe. We still build skills in English and obviously now in multiple languages. Thank you both very much for joining us. Uh, it's unusual to have two co-founders of a company on This Week in Voice. So if you guys have any disagreements, uh, which I'm sure never, ever happens, um, nope. <laughs> and, uh, sort those out. <laughs> no, I'm teasing you. Yeah, thank you very, both very much uh, for joining us today. Next, we have Aaron Amy. Am I pronouncing that right? Absolutely. Aaron, thank you very much for joining us again. Aaron is CEO and founder of Brilliant. Uh, we were fortunate to have him on the Alexa podcast uh, a couple of weeks back. Aaron, say hello and thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Pleased to, pleased to be here. Uh, Brilliant is a company that is changing the way that smart home controls uh, work. It's a new kind of smart home control that replaces a standard light switch with no additional wiring needed. Uh, and it gives you voice uh, access to the Alexa platform. And it also gives you a touch screen. That, uh, so it's a complimentary user experience. And it lets you control all of the smart devices in your house from anywhere in your house. Love it. I love what you guys do. It's very cool. I encourage people to check y'all out at brilliant.tech. Um, Aaron, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Okay. So with that, let's get to the news. Our first story this week is an interesting one to me. <laughs> I'm sure for many other people as well, I dream of the day that email will become more manageable and seeing someone at Inc. Magazine write about how Alexa and other voice assistants uh, in the future will help manage that really caught my eye. I thought it was fascinating. So Aaron, I'm going to start with you on this. What did you think about this article? And do you think that Alexa and other voice assistants will be able to help with tasks like this to the extent the article sort of describes? Well, I think uh, you know email overload is a is a real problem, and and a lot of us uh, suffer from it, even to the point that we sort of fail to to answer emails that we we really should if we only would had time to read them. So I understand the appeal of this, but 
I think this article isn't really talking about a voice assistant at all. It's really talking about deep AI that would really understand your email and help you to process it. And, um, you know, Alexa isn't really that, right? I mean, Alexa is a voice system and a set of integrations. It's not really deep natural language understanding, uh, as anyone who's tried to talk to it for a while knows. And I think, honestly, there are a lot of companies uh, that are doing more generally capable AI uh, than Amazon is with the Alexa platform. Um, I also feel like a voice assistant for all the wonderful things, and obviously none of us would be here if we didn't believe in voice assistants for all the wonderful things that it can do. It's the last thing you want to replace email with because the big problem with email is that there's too much of it to process. But visual processing uh, is many times faster than voice processing. So listening to your email uh, is going to be a big step backwards in the speed of processing it. So uh, honestly, the, the, you know, this is kind of a story written by somebody who doesn't really understand AI and just thinks that Alexa equals AI um, or necessarily the capabilities of the various players involved in the AI landscape. You just, you're raining on my parade. <laughs> I'm getting my I'm getting my hopes up here. <laughs> no, I hear what you're saying, and obviously, I think that's why the um, author sort of throws this arbitrary date of 2020 in there. It's pretty unclear. You know, it's just the year 2020 is thrown around in the article a bunch for no good reason. Um, but the reason really is exactly what you just articulated: that at some point, Alexa and these other voice assistants will have to make the jump into a more AI mediated sort of creature. Um, I think that's the underlying assumption here. But uh, yeah, your point is, you made many points there, uh, all of which are well taken. Johan and Leon, I'll let you guys uh, uh, choose which order you go in. Um, Give us your feedback on this article as well and and what you think. Well, I actually completely agree with the statements because when we look at the voice interfaces, we look at them as interfaces. Um, There's a lot we can do in the future, but the underlying technology here, we're talking about an AI technology that sorts, analyzes emails. It has nothing to do with the voice interface itself. So while I wouldn't doubt that there's going to be a platform or platforms or providers in the future that offer skills that will read out partial emails or uh, notify you of uh, emails, I don't think that's the territory that Google or Alexa themselves are going after right now. I mean, the whole reason they have people write third-party skills is, you know, take over uh, some aspects of the backend. But I mean, I completely agree with, with Jochen and, and Aaron on, on this one. Like, it's more of an AI topic and people are already working on it. And as the, as the article actually also mentions is that Amazon doesn't really go into productivity and like work stuff too much. Um, so not sure if they building something themselves, but probably other people will build something. Um, and I also think that some, some emails could like rather get summarized and like kind of sorted. And, and then that, that could add value, but like reading out everything might get tricky. Yeah, no, that's great analysis all the way around. I think there's a lot of assumptions obviously being made in the piece and y'all have touched on those. And if somebody, uh, even if somebody today came up with an Alexa skill that looked at my email and uh, said, okay, from this group, this group, this group, this group, you haven't opened an email from any of these four groups in eight, an average of eight months <laughs> or something, Um, do you want to unsubscribe from these emails? Yes, no. And then I can simply say the word yes, and boom, I'm unsubscribed from those four emails. 
you know, something like that where your voice can actually save time rather than Aaron, what you were describing about emails being read out and it being this step backward. Um, hopefully that's what some companies, uh, some enterprising companies are thinking about for how this sort of jump can be made. But, uh, yeah, it's just an interesting glimpse into the future. Any other comments on this? Well, I guess one one thing also is um, you know people are naturally thinking about Alexa when they think uh, when they think assistant, but if there's a company that's well positioned to transform email in this way, it's not Amazon, it's Google because Google runs the biggest uh, email service on the planet uh, and already deploys uh, a lot of natural language understanding to try to understand what's going on there to help target uh, things to you. Uh, so, you know, the, they would be far better uh, positioned in the future. And I think that the future is a multi-assistant future where, you know, you're talking to different assistants for different things that they're, that they're good at. And, and Alexa is going to be good, uh, already is good at some things, is going to be good at a lot more. Uh, but I wouldn't bet against Google on email. I think Aaron has a very good point because uh, when we Actually, the Google Assistant on the phones can already write emails for you. So um, you can quickly respond to emails on the Google Assistant on the phone. I don't think it's yet available on the Google Home itself, but that's only a small stepstone. So, yeah, Google is definitely in a position to go after this. Excellent points all the way around. Uh, that's, uh, that's great. And we will leave that there because obviously that's way off in the future, but that's something to keep an eye on is, is exactly what was articulated. You know, how can voice assistants evolve over time to, to be, help us be more productive? But I appreciate y'all's analysis on that. Moving on to story number two, Sonos will add Alexa-enabled Spotify integration by December, late December. December 21st is the date provided for that. While new Echo hardware, a lot of that was announced all in the same press event, if you recall, a few weeks back by Amazon, uh, is getting some hate. People don't, people aren't feeling it. You know, the cost uh, is lowered uh, on the second generation Echo, and that's gotten some praise. But people are like, ah, you know, maybe there could have been more done there. And I actually find that interesting um, that some of those type of reviews are being written. So the question here, and Johan, I will start with you and Leon. If you get one device, there's a ton of devices coming out. It's almost too many for any human being to keep up with. There's so many different voice-first devices coming out from all of Amazon stuff to the Google Home Max to the Google Home Mini to the HomePod to this, that, and the other uh, to Microsoft's Harman Kardon speaker. If you only get one this holiday season, which one is it and why? Um, That's an interesting question. I'm going to say this way. I know there's a lot of coming out. And one thing you have to remember here is that in Germany, we get a fraction of um, the devices released in the U.S. So we don't get all the Echo devices, for example, Um, at least not in the beginning. The show is just being released on November 16th in Europe. And we don't get the little show alarm clock. Uh, There's no date for that yet. The one device I actually saw at a show here was a Google Home device from Panasonic that just was amazing, both from sound, from features, from everything. It, I think it's going to be available this Christmas season. Um, it had everything from Landport to a nice little display on top. While personally, I'm still favoring Alexa, that speaker just blew me away. I would probably go for actually the Echo Show, which we already have. So, I, I mean... So we have the Echo Show already, obviously bought in, um, in in the US and, and brought it here. But I think the Echo Show with the screen is actually quite interesting. It's not pure voice, but it adds for a lot of other brands and like companies adds a lot of value to show something in between. 
um, either that one or the, I mean, I'd be curious about the Siri um, HomePod because this, the speaker's apparently really, really good. Yeah, and I can profess to the uh, love of the Echo Show. Um, I've talked about it on this show and others before. Uh, absolutely my favorite device to come out of this voice-first movement so far. So definitely highly recommended. Aaron, what are your thoughts? Uh, what, what device uh, would you choose out of uh, the different options? Well, the Brilliant Control, of course. It's going to transform your relationship with your house. I knew you were um, going to say that. Okay. <laughs> you know, the, the, the Sonos One that's mentioned in the article sounds a lot better than the Echo Plus, and they'll work the kinks out of it. That sort of audio product is a strong choice. But overall, I'm going to go with more of a control-oriented product. Uh, I'm going to go with the Echo Spot. Uh, it has a screen as well as voice, and I think that that dual-mode UI is really uh, important. Uh, and although the screen is too small, it's a heck of a lot better-looking device than, than the Echo Show is, and a little less obtrusive cluttering up your tabletop. So Echo Spot for me. Very cool. And I appreciate you all uh, taking on that question. I think it's just very interesting to hear people in the field every day, like uh, each of the three of you, think through that and, and the different products that some of these bigger companies are coming out with and speak to the things that you look for in it. So, uh, so I appreciate that. Moving on to question number three. So uh, as anybody who listens to this podcast knows, you know, Apple is doing a lot of things these days that I don't agree with. Um, I think they've in many ways sort of lost their way. And this is uh, turning out to be a little bit of a contentious issue I've seen on Twitter and some other people discussing. Apple's HomePod will rely on a linked iPhone or iPad for processing a lot of the different Siri queries that can be thrown its way, which is pretty interesting. Um, so, you know, that means you go and buy the HomePod and you spend $350 uh, plus tax, which is well more than double than the second generation Echo, quite a bit more than the Echo Show, which I've already said is, I think is the best device, best you know, mainstream you know, tech juggernaut device on the market. You're paying all this money and, oh, guess what? You get it home and you find out you got to have an iPhone or an iPad to really make it do half of the stuff it's supposed to do. And so, Aaron, uh, especially with your background with, with Brilliant and everything, give me your feedback to this. Is this that not that big of a deal or is this uh, a huge deal? Well, when it comes down to it, Apple has really taken the point of view that the HomePod is an audio product first and foremost. It's not really a digital assistant product first and foremost. It's for really Apple-centric people who want something that's beautiful. They, they're they're going to be using AirPlay. They're all bought into that. They, they love the fancy spatial imaging stuff. They, they've really gone all in on, on their walled garden approach. Um, and I think they'll have to evolve it over time because they will want a serious entrant in the uh, assistant appliance space. Uh, but this isn't this isn't it. You know, maybe maybe they'll evolve the original HomePod, maybe HomePod, maybe it'll be a later generation. But they also really need to open Siri up to if if they want to compete with uh, platforms like Alexa in a serious way. So for now, I think the HomePod is really for Apple partisans who want to listen to music, not for 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 voice first control. I completely agree with Aaron, but we also have to remember this is not the first time we've seen Apple do something like this. When the first Apple Watch came out, it was required that you have a phone with it for any functionality whatsoever. No app was able to work by itself without a phone being around. It took them about a year until they decoupled the two technologies, and now you can use Apple Watches independently, mostly, at least. Um, I'm assuming we're going to see the same thing here with the 
home speaker because Siri needs to open up. I mean, the Siri skill kits is, I think, still limited to nine different categories uh, and it's very early stages. So I'm assuming once we have this, the future Siri kit, then they will also decouple it and you should be able to use it by itself. At least that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with with both of uh, both of them. It, it it's built for Apple fans. It's typical, overpriced, high quality. I mean, it's it's quite expensive compared to the other devices. Probably for fans first, and then, as as Jochen said, opening it up probably in a year's time for others. So let's stay on the Apple subject for just a minute. There's a lot of different opinions out there on the different things that Apple should and should not be doing with Siri and. I just heard all of y'all articulate, you know, open Siri up. And to different people, that can mean a lot of different things. Let me get y'all on the record just to say, if you, if, if you could have Apple do one thing right away in terms of opening Siri up, give me something specific uh, beyond just uh, the general opening Siri up. What is something specific that you'd like to see Apple do right away if you could just snap your fingers and have a genie do that for you? And uh, Johan, I'll start with you on this. Uh, I'm going to say two parts, independent app store for Siri apps and voice-only skills, so you don't have to have the app with it. Yeah, same. I mean, opening it up, so it sparks, like, I think it always sparks creativity and, and like, new. it's just cool to empower more people to build stuff on, on top of the platform. Build, building, basically, kind of a skill store for Siri and, and making, making it open, that's something we'd like. Well, I, I think that proliferation of third-party devices um, like uh, like a brilliant control that can give you access to assistance uh, without requiring the proprietary hardware from that assistant company is also really essential. So uh, open up the ability for third parties to Siri endpoint where, you, where you're talking to, whether it's a, a brilliant control or a non-Apple smartwatch or you know whatever, and be able to communicate with Siri through third-party devices. Thank you all for sharing that. Um, hopefully, uh, Apple will start to get on the ball with this stuff. But I've got a suspicion that uh, you know they've got to have the HomePod come out and see that it's, it's not going to get the reception that they're hoping for. I mean, I think that's probably the best possible scenario is that uh, it, the HomePod gets terrible reviews because uh, only then would they go back to the drawing board and start to accept more possibilities. If the HomePod gets lukewarm reviews or even good reviews, I think that Apple will sort sort of stay in this dead zone for a while longer, and that's not going to be, you know, that's not the best case scenario for anybody uh, following this technology. So it'll be interesting to watch. I appreciate y'all sharing your analysis on that. Story number four is our VoiceBot.ai story of the week. So each week for this week in Voice, we have a VoiceBot.ai story of the week. Uh, we're big fans of what Brett Kinsella and his crew uh, over at VoiceBot.ai are doing and reporting. The story this week is now you can share Alexa skills via social media. And this is sort of eye-opening. And there's a lot of great points made in this article. I encourage you to check it out. But in a world where we've got thousands and thousands of Alexa skills and discoverability, as always becomes the case with this app store sort of, sort of model, is becoming more and more of a problem um, social media is here to perhaps be part of the solution. And I think it, my take on this is that this is, has a lot of potential to be a very positive development. But I want to ask the panel if you agree and uh, sort of what you took away from this article. And I will start with you, Johan. 
what did you think about this? And do you think this will help discoverability for Alexa skills moving forward? I mean, definitely. I think it will help uh, discoverability. Um, I mean, I think this has been a thing developers have been wishing for for a long time. And not just uh, companies like us, but hobby developers we've uh, talked to. Because it's hard finding, sometimes finding the skills. And this way, you know, you can share, you can really think most skills out there are still written by hobby and enthusiasts. And they don't have any other way of marketing. They're not going to get featured in the store. So this is a great way to help independent people, you know, publish skills and then share it with their friends, share it on a broader network over Twitter. So I think it's a great feature, personally. No, I mean, to- totally agree. Um, I mean, sharing is is a powerful feature. And I think they just implemented quite late because there weren't too many skills to share, maybe. But now it gotten kind of too full. So now it's important to like help people to get like help with the discovery, as you mentioned before. And I think, uh, as you mentioned, I mean, it, it can help a lot of smaller um, developers and enthusiasts to to spread via their networks the, the word about their what they've built. I think it's a smart move, but I don't think it's a transformative move. Um, I think you know this solves a particular problem where you want a skill that your that your friend has uh, or that that you're you're otherwise connected to. I don't think it addresses the much bigger skills discovery issue that we all know about, uh, which remains unsolved. Frankly, think that uh, a visual display is going to be part of the ultimate answer there. I mean, they're already you know got some moves in that direction. It's just very cumbersome to review a lot of data by voice, and unless you can perfectly target and know exactly what somebody wants, which is improbable. It's just too cumbersome to review you know so much information by voice i uh, i also think that while this is important it's good for for for, pub, for publishers to be able to to share it and, and get the get the word out it's good for people to be able to spontaneously share things on social networks and so on it opens up a bit of a pandora's box as well because now there's going to be this race to spam people with skills uh, and it, they run the risk of very quickly having a sort of a low signal to noise uh, out there with a whole lot of noise being made about all these skills and ultimately people will just sort of tune it out. So uh, unless they have some some clever thoughts on, on what to do about all the various kinds of spam and advertising that happens on, on social media, I think we run the risk of getting pretty numb to it pretty fast. So you're saying we'll need an Alexa skill to tell, hey, you know, block all of these social media messages about Alexa skills. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, that's true. Uh, social media, uh, there's there's a curve to it, right? You know, where there's uh, growth that happens and things just get oversaturated over time. But uh, and I completely agree with that. I will say though that uh, the article makes a very interesting point that, at least in my experience, is dead on. Nobody knows that there's an Alexa skills store other than practitioners in the field. So the three of y'all wouldn't know that there's an Alexa skills marketplace, a a store for this. But um, out of the millions and millions of people who own an Echo, uh, a device that's in the Echo family, just for the Amazon example, if you went to 100 people who have an Echo and asked them, is there a store where you can peruse new applications for your Echo and download them? I'd have to say at least 95 of them would say no. I don't know what you're talking about. 
maybe as high as you know 98 or 99. I just think there's very little knowledge about it in the market uh, for many reasons. Uh, I don't think it's anything necessarily Amazon has or hasn't done that maybe they should have. But so I think that this social media integration will start to just raise awareness really for the first time that, hey, you, there's more you can do with this Echo thing. Uh, why don't you go find out? And um, I think it really sort of greases the skids for some future monetization efforts. At least I'm very hopeful for that. Before we move on, let me ask the same question I just did about Apple here, except uh, on the topic of Amazon. For each of the three of you, uh, Amazon's done a ton this year. We've documented a lot of it on the show. They've released all sorts of permutations of hardware, uh, they've made many, many upgrades to Alexa and the Alexa ecosystem. Uh, they've been quite busy, but still there's a lot that remains to be done. I would ask the three of you, if you could snap your fingers and have the genie, you know, have Amazon do one thing, one specific thing in terms of Alexa and the Alexa ecosystem uh, overnight, what would that be? And Aaron, with, you, uh, with this, I'll start with you. Well, it would really be you know improvements to their fundamental AI technology. Uh, I think that what it understands from you is is a bit limited, and particularly when you're looking at home control applications, the kinds of uh, utterances that you have to get into can get a little bit twisted up. Where you're saying, you know, ask so and so to do such and such, and uh, and and it just gets a little bit confusing and hard for people to uh, to keep track of. Um, so I would say better understanding of what people uh, are trying to accomplish combined with uh, a little more flexibility in the, the ways that you can say it. Well, for me, at least Aaron said the major point. So I'm going to go on the developer route and say certification. Um, <laughs> well, if you compare certification for Google and Alexa skills, Alexa is a little bit behind. The certification times are too um, long and Oftentimes, it feels more like a lottery if your school is going to get certified. And I mean, we've seen these in all the communities and forums um, that complain. So I'm going to take that. Yeah, and I'm going to do like a mixture and actually mix something in what you mentioned before, the, the sharing thing, and that a lot of people still, still don't really know that there's a skill store. I think a lot of people still haven't fully understood the power of voice and the power of like Alexa or Google Home. So I think the sharing thing can help them understand and, and that there's a lot more. And that's also what I kind of miss from, from Amazon is more powerful skills that can actually add more value to your life. And that's maybe also on the developer side from, from like to other developers, uh, it's kind of figuring out how can we add value in the long term, but then also from Amazon itself, like improving, obviously, the whole technology and the platform and, and the, the underlying AI, what Aaron mentioned. No, that's great. Great points all the way around. And I think in terms of development of new and better and more sophisticated and more powerful and functional Alexa skills, the monetization is key. You know, because so much of that investment isn't going to happen until developers can have a way to earn a return uh, that's easy to understand, uh, as opposed to a black box that Amazon says, hey, here's your check now, which is very difficult to understand, uh, you know, very unpredictable. Um, I think monetization will open a lot of those type of doors. But thank you all for that. We're going to move on to story number five. And I love including stories like this because it shows something different about the voice ecosystem that I think 
gets lost in the shuffle sometimes, or sometimes it gets taken for granted. The story here is that the Amazon Echo was on the red carpet. And you should see the pictures of this, by the way. If you click on the article, you will see pictures of this Echo on the red carpet with Kenny G and then Santa Claus. And there's a funny line in the article talking about Santa Claus is telling the Echo, do you even know who I am? Um, They're all on the red carpet for this new movie, A Bad Mom's Christmas, which normally I would never in a million years think about seeing that. But now I'm sort of interested. So I guess they accomplished something with that. I include this story just to show, um, just as a reminder of how far voice technology has come. If you had gone back two or three years ago, the idea of having a voice, um, a voice first piece of hardware in this sort of environment and to where people, you know, all the people associated with this movie premiere understand that everybody's going to know what the Amazon Echo is. There's not going to be any need to explain. Um, it's going to be right at home. It's not going to be a distraction. It's going to make perfect sense. And it's going to add value. I mean, two or three years ago, that would just be nonsense. That would be like, you know, uh, a pipe dream or something. It'd be unfathomable. And so... I feel like from time to time with This Week in Voice, it's important to include stories like this that just show, it shows something about Amazon's market leadership, yes, but it also just shows in general a societal movement toward uh, embracing voice-enabled, voice-first technology. And, uh, you know, that's sort of the way I look at it and why I included it in the news stories of the week in the first place. But Aaron, I want to start with you. As you take a look at this, yeah, it's a humorous story, but is there anything else you took away from it? What was your reaction, positive or negative, to this, um, and what did you take away? No, I, I mean, I think to the extent there is something to uh, to take away from it, um, you know, it's exactly what you're what you're saying. And and I would draw an analogy. I, I remember you know using the ARPANET uh, back in 1983, and then you know the the internet in the in the late 80s and and, uh, and, and early 90s. You know, having a conversation with one of my you know fellow geeks, and we were you know. He was asserting that, oh, this is great. Everyone's going to be using it. It's really hit the mainstream. And I said, it's going to hit the mainstream when my mom's heard of it. It's going to hit the mainstream when, uh, you know, when you see it in, in media. And then just a few years later, you know, by the mid-90s, I would walk by a bookstore. Uh, remember those? Uh, and uh, they would have books of, you know, Internet, 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 inter- Internet topics uh, in the windows. And I thought, wow, you know, this, this obscure thing that only a few of us enthusiasts cared about has uh, really affected the world now. Uh, and I think you're right. You know, we're seeing the same thing now uh, with these mainstream uh, breakthroughs. But the other thing to say about it is really this is an advertisement, big, big publicity uh, campaign by by Amazon, and obviously it's working because we're sitting here talking about it. So for me, it's uh, twofold. So first of all, it also uh, shows that you know these voice assistants they have a persona. Like people identify with them. People know how to talk to them. It's different than a few other technologies that we've had in the past. And, you know, when you see Santa um, talking to Alexa here, it's, you know, it's talking to a persona, um, almost like a real person. The other thing that's a little bit off topic that really surprised me was Halloween this year. How many people we saw dress up as Alexa? I mean, when you looked on Reddit or Instagram, it was flooded with people having Alexa costumes because... It's something people identify with, people something new, something exciting. Yeah, it's getting out there. 
That's fascinating. I had not seen that, but I will have to go take a look at that. Very interesting. Um, I see it similar to Aaron, actually, more as a really, really good PR stunt. It's Christmas, so Alexa wants to get in the game and like make everyone aware that this is a really good Christmas pre- present. And obviously, moms. So those those will be the ones probably using it, and the and the and the husbands will be buying it. So I think it's a really really cool like PR stunt. But on the other hand, what what I think or what I like about it is kind of adding voice to a really good story, like including including Alexa basically in in a in a PR stunt or in 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 a like this one like a red carpet event. Um, where can like be different and can add value. So I think it's really cool. But you also have to say, it's a, te- a stunt that you couldn't really do with much other te- many other technologies. I mean, you couldn't just put an iPhone there. You couldn't just put a computer there. It's something you can really interact with. And that's why you were able to do this PR stunt. No, that's a great point. And, I, and that's, uh, yeah, the, the, the point that the Echo device sitting there, it's not just some cylinder which is actually what I think when I look at it, I see a cylinder sitting there. I'm like, okay, but you're so right with people look at that and, and they, they don't see that at all. They, they see the persona, the persona that they have interacted with on a day-to-day basis uh, for months now, or, or even uh, over a year now or whatever. They don't see that cylinder. They see the personified version, whatever that mental image is, in their head as they talk to Alexa, that's what they see on the red carpet. That is a fascinating thing to think about and something I really hadn't thought about at all, uh, but I think you're exactly right. And, uh, and that is why they can get away with doing this and it makes sense because you're right. An iPhone is just a, a combination of different component parts um, as many other tech gadgets are, but these voice, you know, voice enabled hardware, not the same, not the same at all. I think that's, uh, that's great. Anything else to add on that? I think we may look uh, back on this era as the, the dawn of anthropomorphic computing. We've had this dream for a long time that computers are going to have personalities and they're going to be like people. And I, I think that the combination of, of voice and AI and industrial design really sort of starts bringing that to the fore. Completely agree. Yeah, completely agree. Great analysis. Appreciate that. That will wrap us up. Aaron, Johan, Leon. Thank all three of you very, very much for the time today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. Greatly appreciate uh, not just your time, but your insight and your expertise as well. Uh, And I know the audience appreciates it. Uh, This was fantastic. For This Week in Voice, episode 17, thank you for listening. And until next time.